technical issues. Welcome to the Bloody Bizarre Podcast. Is it? <laughs> Where are we? Even I don't at? know. I don't know. Well, okay. welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we had some technical issues. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're good now. So, yeah, looks like we're still good. So, okay, cool. let's continue as it is. All right. Um, this is a podcast where we talk about the bloody, the bizarre, and the bloody bizarre. Yes, it is. I, I was thinking that the other day. I was like, anyone who starts... I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I don't know. When I'm listening to a podcast, I go back to the beginning, but I, I know some people don't, so... Some people don't, yeah. yeah. Some people would jump in at the deep ends. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I told you, I went back to the start of Ologies. Yeah. And it's a year years long it's been yeah. taking me a very very long time but i'm you, only up to 2020 i consume podcasts at such a rate this is a weekly podcast yeah and each episode is over an hour long yeah but yeah. there's many mm, i feel like i could do it <laughs> it's not a competition I, I i live alone and so i constantly my house is just it's just constantly on yeah like I'll have a podcast on while I'm um, um, making dinner, making mm. breakfast, brushing my teeth, doing my makeup, like all the time. Yes. I unfortunately have to be responsive to <laughs> no me. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want me to start my story? Yeah, I don't think there's anything we need to mention. Again, okay. these episodes are being recorded ahead of time. So be aware. Yeah, we've kind of got nothing new to add. Um, and if something has happened that we haven't talked about, that's that's, that's why. why. Yeah. So you will have heard at the end of the last episode, I've decided to switch my stories this week. Um, I did have two ready to go, which is lucky because one of them is a real bummer. This one is a big bummer, but it's a different kind of bummer to the one that you told. Okay. Okay. Now, my sources, that's messed up an SVU podcast episode called authority. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite podcasts, by the way. Um, if you're an SVU fan. You don't even have to be. They have a lot of listeners that don't even watch SVU. They just like their, like, recaps. Okay. They're, they're very funny. There's there's a podcast I like that I'll just drop in here. Okay. Um, Not an invitation, called, but that's fine. <laughs> it's called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Oh, and I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And so while I'm not a huge fan of celebrity memoirs or I don't really keep up with, like, celebrity stuff that much – I, it is a really good podcast and it's so interesting and sometimes mm. I'll just sort of like scroll through until I find a celebrity that I at least know yeah and then I'll listen to that episode and they read the book and then they just like a lot of the time talk shit on the, <laughs> on the celebrity but sometimes they're like they come across nice but yeah. it's really good okay I might jump into it. I would yeah I would listen to it I think you like it Made me see certain celebrities in a different light. Well, that's what Disgraceland did for me with Taylor Swift. Did you listen to the Disgraceland episode with, of Taylor Swift? For, for Taylor? Oh, my God. It's so fucking terrifying. What is it? So Disgraceland is this podcast that talks about various people in the music industry and, like, like crimes that surround them. Right. So with Taylor Swift, it talks about her stalkers. Uh. It is so terrifying. And, like, so, she's in so much danger. God, yeah. that's awful. <laughs> I know. Um, but, yeah, you should listen to that. Okay, back to my sources. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you notice I didn't even use Wikipedia? I did notice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, couriergeneral.com article by Andrew Wolfson. And that was heavily used, that article. Okay, so trigger warning. This story contains descriptions of sexual assault. April 9th, 
2004. We're in a McDonald's in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Assistant manager on duty Donna Summers receives a call from Officer Scott, who identifies himself as belonging to the local department. He tells her he has the McDonald's corporate on the other line and has spoken with a store manager whom he identifies by name. He advises Summers that a theft has occurred in the restaurant, a purse has been stolen, and he provides her a description of the person responsible. Summers believed the description provided was, was that of Louise Ogborn, a young woman who was currently on duty at the restaurant. Ogborn was a high school senior who had just turned 18, a former Girl Scout who hadn't had a single issue in her four months working at the McDonald's. She'd taken the $6.35 an hour position after her mother lost her job. Quote, I couldn't steal. I'm too honest. I stole a pencil one time from a teacher and I gave it back. End quote. Officer, that was um, Ogborn that said that. Officer Scott, the um, person on the line, told Summers that Ogborn could either be arrested and brought to the station to be searched, or the assistant manager could search for the missing property, which would likely be quicker and easier given how busy the police were. So, at the behest of the officer on the line, Summers brought Ogborn into the manager's office to begin the search. I don't like this. Yep, your instincts are right. Um, Ogborn, the 18-year-old, fresh 18-year-old, was ordered to remove her clothes one by one. What? Which Summers then shook and placed in a bag and took to her car as instructed. Officer Scott told Summers that an officer would swing by and pick up the clothes as evidence. Ogborn then put on an apron to partially cover herself because she was fully nude. They made her take off her underwear. Correct. Um, Kim Dockery, another assistant manager, was present at the time of the search. Dockery was there as a witness to the search, which the officer advised would be necessary for further prosecution. I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe it's easy to say from the outside, but how fucking dumb are you? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the police do not care about a stolen wallet this much. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, Ogborn was... uh, So this was just after 5pm that this was all happening. Ogborn was crying and insisting that she had done nothing, taken nothing. But Officer Scott told Donna Donna Summers that not only was Louise Ogborn a thief, but she was also a drug dealer, and there were police at her home searching the property as they spoke. Dockery, the other manager who was brought in as a witness, hugged Ogborn and tried to console her as the men on the line continued to give directions. After some time, Dockery had to leave and Summers advised Officer Scott that she needed to man the front counter. Officer Scott told Summers to bring someone else in to watch Ogborn before the police could arrive. By now, Ogborn had been detained for an hour. Her car keys had been taken away and she was still naked except for the apron. Summers enlisted the help of Jason Bradley, a 27-year-old cook. Uh, Bradley went into the manager's office and took the phone. He was told by Officer Scott to remove the apron and describe what he saw. He refused. Okay. He told Officer Scott and Donna Summers that he couldn't do it, um, and he went back to work, didn't do anything else, didn't, like... Good, good boy. But didn't report it or anything just kind of left it Mm. um so then summers was back on the phone with officer scott uh but the store was getting really busy so she was like i can't continue to do this it's like the 6 p.m rush like you know um so the caller maybe you come down here what the fuck like Mm. the caller asked summers if she had a husband who could watch ogborn ew this is getting disgusting she had a fiance uh, that would do, advised Officer Scott. And at about 6 p.m., 
Donna Summers called fiancé Walter West Nix Jr. at home. Uh, as his fiancé had requested, Nix showed up at the Mount Washington store. Quote, she told me there is a girl in the office who was caught stealing, Nix later said. Nix was 42, a father of two, and an ex- exterminator by trade. He attended church regularly and had coached youth baseball teams in Mount Washington. Summers handed Nix the phone and left the office. The caller told Nix he was a detective, and for the next two hours, quote, he told me what to do, Nix said. Nix did as the caller instructed. <sighs> he pulled the apron away from Ogborn, leaving her nude again, and described her to the caller. He ordered her to dance with her arms above her head to see, the caller said, if anything, quote, would shake out. What? He made her do jumping jacks, deep knee bends, stand on a swivel chair, then a desk. He made her sit on his lap and kiss him. You're joking. How on earth could you not know? The caller said that would allow Nix to smell anything that might be on her breath. Nix ordered her, Ogborn, to insert her fingers into her vagina and expose it to him as a part of the search. When Ogborn refused to obey the caller's instructions, Nix slapped her buttocks until they were red, just as the caller told him to do. Okay, nah, at this point... It gets worse. You don't... Oh my god. At this point, he's getting turned on by this. This is, like, you would know that that's not the police telling you to do that. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd fucking think so. Each time Summers unlocked the door and ducked back into the office, Nix handed Ogborn the apron back so she could cover herself, as instructed by the caller. When Summers left, the abuse began again. Ogborn said the caller sometimes would talk directly to her, um, demanding she do as she was told if she wanted to keep her job and avoid further punishment. Louise Ogborn had been in the back office for nearly two and a half hours when the caller said she should kneel on the brick floor in front of Nix and unbuckle his pants. Ogborn cried and begged Nix to stop. She recounted, quote, I said, no, I didn't do anything wrong. This is ridiculous, end quote. But she said Nix told her he would hit her if she didn't fillet him, so she did. Wait, so this is the fiancé mm-hmm. that's told her to do this? Yep, as, be- uh, as he's told by the caller. Officer Scott. Okay, but I'm sorry, you're a 42-year-old man. Like, you know yeah. that this is... In, and, and I couldn't find out the reason that he told her to um, blow him. Like, the Officer Scott said, this is, like, you... Officer, I can't figure out why Officer Scott said to Nix, get her to suck you off. Like, what is that going to prove? In, yeah, but obviously they're doing it just to... Like, just to get a kick out of it because it's turning them on. Yeah, but, but like, with the kissing, he said, okay, well, you'll be able to smell something on her breath. What what reason, you know, what fake I reason? I reckon what probably happened was that this guy was getting more and more turned on and so he didn't need a reason Yeah, anymore. he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll fucking do it. Okay, so, um, like the rest of her ordeal, it was captured on a surveillance camera recorded to a DVD. There are points throughout the ordeal where Ogborn asks to move out of view of the camera, but Nix insists that it it must be captured yeah so this continues um, so she actually did have to like give him a blowjob mm-hmm. so he was obviously hard and like getting turned on by this i guess so um it continued until summer's returned to the office to get some gift certificates and nix had Og- ogborn cover herself again the caller told nix he could then leave but summer's needed to find another man to replace him she called in thomas sims a 58 year old maintenance man who did odd jobs at the store Sims would later say he was shocked by what he saw. A young woman trying to cover herself with a small piece of cloth. 
Summers insisted it was okay for him to watch her, that corporate had approved it. Relieved of his duty, Nix left, drove a few blocks to his home and immediately called his best friend who recalls Nix saying, quote, I've done something terribly bad. Yeah, you fucking raped someone. Yep. It was Sims, the Mount Washington store's maintenance man and a ninth grade dropout who refused to comply with Officer Scott. Finally. What is wrong with these people? <sighs> yeah. He had stopped by the restaurant for dessert and coffee when Summers pulled him into the office and handed him the phone. So he wasn't on duty, he was just in the store. The caller told Sims to have Ogborn drop the apron and to describe her. Sims refused. He said, quote, something is not right about this, end quote. And finally, Summers realised the same. She called her manager, Lisa Siddons, whom the caller had said was on the other line, and Summers discovered that Siddons had been home sleeping. Quote, I knew then I had been had, Summers said. Uh, she You'd been had? Yeah. I'm sorry. You're the one who has allowed this all to happen. Um, she continues, I lost it. I begged Louise for forgiveness. I was almost hysterical. End quote. Yeah. Also, your fiancé just raped that poor girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and... And, and you feel bad, do you, Summers? I wonder how bad Louise Ogborn feels. Yeah, exactly. The caller then hung up. Ogborn was cold. She was shaking and she was stunned. Um, Dockery, the other assistant manager, wrapped her in a blanket and Ogborn asked if she had to show up for work the next morning. Oh, my God. Dockery told this her... This like, dystopian. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know that I said that this was, like not the same bad but it's obviously very very bad yeah yeah (laughs) dockery told her no take as much time off as you want she said (laughs) yeah because you're gonna get fucking sued put in jail yeah by the time the caller telephoned mcdonald's and the mcdonald's in mount washington in april 2004 supervisors had been conned in at least 68 stores in 32 states not to the same degree but all kind of the same tilt The targets included a dozen different restaurant chains. By that time, the managers of at least 17 McDonald's stores around the nation had been tricked and the company was already defending itself in at least four lawsuits stemming from such hoaxes. But Summers, who had worked for the McDonald's for about eight months, said she had never heard a thing about the hoaxes. Neither had Dockery or the store's manager or the McDonald's area manager, according to court depositions they gave later. Yeah, but it's not about, like, it's just such blind like oh well if corporate told me to humiliate a young girl then I guess I have to like you can you can just say no I'm not fucking doing that I don't care if you fire me like yeah so I'm going to talk about compliance in a minute Mm -hmm. but it is like it's like that Nazi um experiment that they did yeah um and I'm going to talk about an experiment that highlights it um but it it is very easy for us to to sit here and say I would not do that and no and now knowing this story it's very it's even easier for us Mm. to say well I would not do that in the future but you know it's incremental increases and and yes but I mean for the that guy the Mm, the fiance he knew I'm sorry, but there's no way that you think that a cop is telling you to make an 18-year-old give, give you a blowjob. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, and and I think it's evidence that he knows that he called his friend and said, I've done something terribly bad. Exactly. He, he knew. He, but he uh, yeah. was like, but it's an excuse. Yeah. Yep, very possibly. 
Okay, um, company executives had sent out memos to owners and operators about the hoaxes, but as Global Security Director Michael Pista acknowledged in one of them in 2003, quote, it appears the information is not reaching our restaurant staff, unquote. End quote, sorry. So I guess what he's saying is, like, these memos are going out and you people aren't disseminating them. They're not, but which is the way that happens in, like, you know, restaurants, stores, chains. Like, mm-hmm. people are too busy to be like, oh, guys, we've got a new memo through from corporate and it's really important that everyone hears it. Like, it's Yeah, just, but I think if you're talking about young women being sexually oh, don't assaulted. Get, don't get me wrong. I think they should have disseminated. but, but it, should have, it should have been, like, priority one. Yeah. Shouldn't have been a memo. It should have been like, you know, we're getting everyone in for like fucking training or mandatory something. training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And now I'm just going to ask Patchy to leave the area because he, oh, Mr. Boy. <laughs> I did hear him come in, and I think that the listeners would have too, with his big fat nails. On the couch, Mr. Boy. Come on, on the couch. Go lay down. Off he trots. He's unsure what he's going to do. There we go. Oh, there we go. Down he goes. Okay. So unwarned, Summers said she did as said she did the bidding of the man she thought was a cop. Now I don't think I need to spell it out, but I will. Officer Scott, in quotes, was not a detective. He did not work for the police. He was in no way affiliated with law enforcement. Uh-huh. He was really. A, <laughs> he was a scammer who would call mostly restaurants and get people on the line to commit crimes. Were they all sexual in nature? Yeah, I think they were. I bet you he was just having a wank at home. Yeah. We used to have a guy that used to call the pharmacy um, and I worked at several different pharmacies and he called a lot of them and he used to, I spoke to him a couple of times Mm. um, and he used to ask us to uh, describe how like breast pump machines worked and stuff and at the start of the call he would have a different voice so sometimes, I mean, by by the end, like... By the end of my, by like the third time I spoke to him, as soon as it was somebody asking about a breast pump, I was like, this is that guy again. Yeah. And he would like, he would start, you could hear him. His breathing would get heavy. That's so fucking gross. It was so yuck. Yeah. Did did you know his name? No. Okay. No idea who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, And and so through my research, there were other scam calls that went through that weren't sexual in nature, but it was not this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy had always seemed to have that, like, kind of, um, you know, indecent, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, kind of approach. Um, the first report of such a call came in 1995 in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Uh, another came later that year in Fallon, uh, Nevada. The caller, uh, usually pretending to be a police officer investigating a crime, targeted stores in small towns and rural communities, areas where managers were more likely to be trusting. Most were fast food restaurants where the male and female victims were young and inexperienced and assistant managers were likely to be working without suspicion. And, I mean, we heard that Donna Summers was an assistant manager after having worked there for eight months. So Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of fast food chains and, like, you know, quick places with quick turnovers and... A high staff turnover. That's right, yeah. Restaurant owners and police often said they assumed the caller and the victims were in cahoots in a bizarre scam to extract settlements from individual franchises. So if you can imagine that let's say Ogborn and Nick's were in cahoots and then yeah. they could then Louise could sue the restaurant and then give half to Nick's or whatever mm-hmm. you know but the hoaxes continued and so by the end of 2000 there were more than a dozen by the end of 2003 there were nearly 60 
Detectives eventually would conclude the calls were the work of one man because the methods of operation were practically identical with only slight deviations. Um, I'm going to run through a few and this is obviously I can't go through all like 70 odd but I've got three examples here. So on November 30th 2000 the caller persuaded the manager at a McDonald's in Litchfield Litchfield uh, Kentucky Mm -hmm. to remove her own clothes in front of a customer whom the caller said was suspected of sex offences. The caller promised that undercover officers would burst in and arrest the customer the moment he attempted to molest her, said Detective Lieutenant Gary Troutman of the Litchfield Police Department. What on earth? So, so like, hey, can you make yourself bait? Yes. For and when you when when he comes when he like goes and so this they ask her, her to get a male customer be like go and grab that male customer bring him into the back room yeah. and take your clothes off in front of him yeah. what the fuck must that customer have been thinking um so see like can okay that's nice can i go now what happened uh well i'm not sure um that this is just like an example of another one but so um lieutenant gary troutman said quote we asked her why she hadn't called local police and she said she thought it was the local police who had called her another example um on may 29th 2002 a girl celebrating her 18th birthday uh in her first hour of her first day on the job at the mcdonald's in roosevelt iowa was forced to strip jog naked and assume a series of embarrassing poses all at the direction of a caller on the phone according to court and news accounts so very similar to ogborn in that one yeah um on january 26th 2003 According to a police report in Davenport, Iowa, an assistant manager at an Applebee's conducted a degrading 90-minute search of a waitress at the behest of a caller who said he was a regional manager, despite the fact the assistant manager had read a company memo warning about hoax calls just about a month earlier. He later told police he'd forgotten about the memo. Yeah. Why would he remember? It's only a matter of, like, people's health and safety i do have one more i thought i had three i have four on june 3rd 2003 according to a city police spokesman in juni alaska a caller to a taco bell there said he was working with the company to investigate drug abuse at the store and had a manager pick out a 14 year old customer and then strip her and force her to perform lewd acts a 14 year old Mm -hmm. and a customer i know not even someone who worked there yep how do they not know that they don't have the authority to do that? They believe that they've been, like, you know, granted, like, a special power or something. I don't fucking know. It's just so, like, I'm sorry. It's so unbelievable. judgmental, but it's just so dumb. Yeah. Like. Um, and there are many more cases, obviously. The caller was persuasive, according to workers across the country who talked with him. He had mastered the police officer's calm but authoritative demeanour. He sprinkled law enforcement jargon into every conversation and he did his homework. He researched the names of regional managers and local police officers in advance and mentioned them by name. Um, He called some restaurants in advance as well, getting names and descriptions of victims so he could accurately describe them later. Summers said, quote, Officer Scott in Mount Washington knew the colour of Ogborn's hair as well as her height and weight. He even described the tie she was wearing. But to be fair to anyone who's saying that's ridiculous, you could say, oh, a young girl, blonde hair, slight build, five, seven, and she's wearing a McDonald's tie. Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. That's not... It's not hard. No. Summers, you dumb fucking bitch. Yeah. 
And then if they're like, nobody nobody like that works here, you'd be like, okay, no worries, and you'd call the next door. Um, Summers said she could also hear police radio chatter in the background of the call. Oh, that that proves it. (laughs) We are being extremely hard on Summers. She, you know. I don't care. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I don't care. Okay. (laughs) All right. You've taken a stance. Yeah. Um, A stance that I'm sure our listeners will probably agree with. Yeah. Um, Around the country, many detectives initially assumed the caller had to be watching the stores from across the street um, with binoculars or um, binocs, as our mate from (laughs) the Patanella would call them. Um, But later, officials would say he was just a master of deception and manipulation. You don't think you'd be fooled? No. Well, you wouldn't now because I've told you about it. But it, I've ruined it for him. But even initially, yeah, I, I just think, don't think you're that strong I'm that, of mind. Well, no, I just don't think I follow you're authority not that, that blindly. You're not a sheep. You're not a sheeple. <laughs> I just don't think, like, if a, I don't know, maybe if a cop told me to do something to myself. Strip in front of a customer. Nah, say even that because then you're that's that's kind of that's sexual harassment to the customer. (laughs) Yeah, it's indecent exposure. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like I'm not gonna hurt somebody else because a cop has told me to. mm. You know, like you fucking come down. No, I can't do it. You'll have to come down here and do it. So during the Holocaust, I I mean, like I maybe because I work with police sometimes. I'm like a bit more like they're just. They're just people. Okay, they can't tell you to do something ridiculous. Let's also remember this is pre-internet um, being super widespread. This is 2003. Mm. Um, so, you know, p- potentially we are we are coming at this from a perspective of of, of, of 20 years later. Yes. I I still just... Th- okay. I mean, yeah, I, you're going to talk about the electrocution experiment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Because I've... I've I'm, I think about that and yeah. I'm like, I've always thought that I wouldn't, but, you know, it's hard to tell. Yeah. But. So Sarah's talking about an experiment that I'm going to get onto in a second. So the caller wasn't always successful. Um, so there were people that were like, um, get no, fucked. sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, phone records show he sometimes called as many as 10 stores before finding one where managers would take his bait. Mm-hmm. But he was alarmingly successful. We know that this happened like, you know, um, o- over 50, yeah, over 60 times psychological experts say it is human nature to obey orders no matter how evil they might seem as was illustrated in one of the most famous and unethical human experiments of the 20th century seeking to understand better why so many germans followed orders during the holocaust stanley milgram a yale university psychologist took out a classified ad in 1960 and 1961 inviting residents of new haven connecticut to take part in what they were told was a study of the relationship between punishment and learning a man in a white lab coat introduced the participant to a student who would then be put in a separate area so the participant could not see the student and told the participant uh, to shock the student each time he made a mistake, increasing the voltage with each error. In reality, the machine was a prop and the student who was unseen was an actor who was not shocked. Nearly two-thirds of Milgram's subjects gave what they believed were paralyzing and eventually fatal jolts to a crying and protesting victim simply because an authority figure the man in the white coat had commanded them to do so even when the vaults became so um, high that the student was screaming with each quote jolt uh, and even when the student seemingly went unconscious Mm. quote with numbing regularity good people were seen to buckle under the demands of authority and perform actions that were callous and severe end quote Milgram wrote of his results, which were later repli- replicated in nine countries. Mm. I didn't know that any, that they were at all replicated after his study, but I also think that they did a repeat of this 
and in, I in like an ethical way? No. Oh. I think it might have been for a show or for like a documentary. Oh. So mm. like, you know, not not strictly scientific. Yeah. But it was all the same conditions and stuff. Yeah. Um, because I've seen footage of this happening. Yeah. Um, so so I, th- I think there's footage of Milgram's one. When was it? Done? Um, 1960. I think I've seen a more recent... Maybe. I've definitely seen the Milgram videos. Yeah. yeah. And there's like people breaking down crying and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So Milgram died in 1984, but his biographer and protege, Dr. Thomas Blass, said in an interview, the behavior of the people duped in the strip search hoaxes would not have surprised him. Quote, once you accept another person's authority, you become a different person, Blass said. You are concerned with how well you follow out your orders rather than whether it is right or, or wrong. Yeah, I'd love to know the factors that affect this, though. So, um, here's one factor that affects it. Canadian sociologist Esther Reiter concludes that the most prized trait in fast food workers is obedience. Quote, the assembly line process very deliberately tries to take away any thought or discretion from workers, said Reiter, who teaches at Toronto's York University and who spent 10 months working at a Burger King as a part of her research. There's a confluence of factors here. I guess the other thing about a lot of fast food restaurants is they employ younger people yes there's a lot of young people working there who are maybe a bit more naive he targeted these restaurants yeah back to the mount washington hoax so donna summers watched the store video later the same night saw what nicks had done and called off their engagement she hasn't spoken to him since according to her attorney has he gone to jail i'm gonna get to it she initially was suspended and then later fired um a couple of weeks later she was indicted on a charge of unlawful imprisonment and misdemeanor. She entered an Alford plea. Um, do you know what an Alford plea is? So no. essentially um, an Alford plea allows a defendant to plead guilty and accept a plea bargain, even when they claim they are innocent. So it's like, it's a way to um, expedite trials with plea bargains and shit like that. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly love it either. Mm. I don't like plea bargains to be honest. Mm. Um, she was placed on probation. So she wasn't given any jail time. Nix was indicted on charges of sodomy and assault, and he served a five-year prison term. Okay, good. Dockery was transferred to another restaurant. So she Which received. Was? She was the assistant manager that was there as the witness. oh the one that was sort of like comforting yeah. her to start with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ogborne never went back to work at the store. She began suffering from panic attacks, severe insomnia, and nightmares about quote a guy attacking her. Um, according to a court deposition from her therapist, she suffered from anxiety, depression, and PTSD. She said, quote, I can't trust anyone. And that was in a testimony that she provided in a lawsuit she filed in August 2004 against McDonald's, alleging it failed to warn employees about the hoaxes. That poor girl. Yeah. Is there any update on how she's doing now? Uh, so she graduated from Spencer County High School but was too traumatised to enrol at the University of Louisville where she'd planned to study pre-med. I don't think I get back to her. I might do. I can't remember. I'll keep going though. Mm. Um, despite the mounting number of cases across the country, restaurant industry officials failed to act more quickly or decisively. Lawyers would argue. I would argue that as well. Lawyers for McDonald's argued nobody could believe it. It was so weird. Yeah, okay, that that's not an excuse for <laughs> like, oh, we didn't act quickly enough because it was just super weird. Like, like, like no one would believe it. That's yeah. what they were saying. But yeah. that's what you're kind of saying. Well, but 
that's what you're saying. No, but obviously people were believing it. So they had a duty of care yeah. to warn you. Yep. If, if they're like, our people are fucking dumb enough that they're falling for this, then we need to do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> so several departments were able to trace the calls to phone booths in Panama City, Florida, but that was as far as any had gotten until the Mount Washington hoax. Detective Buddy Stump. <laughs> what a name. And what a name for a detective too. It's like yeah, Buddy Stump. Had worked only a few weeks as an investigator at, um, at the Mount Washington Police Department when he got the call. He was furious when he saw the store surveillance video. Quote, it burned me up that this had happened to an 18-year-old girl, he said. An added element to this was that it turned out Buddy Stump knew Ogborn. Uh, he was the family's neighbour. Oh, my God. Mm. Should he really have been working with <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a conflict yeah. of interest, but that's okay. Um, he was able to track down the phone number that the call had been made from, but it was listed to a non-existent phone and turned out to have been made on a prepaid calling card. Thanks to some post-9-11 law changes, Stump was able to determine where the call was being made. He eventually learned the call had originated in Panama City and the largest seller of phone cards there was Walmart. But that didn't help much because the largest seller of everything is Walmart um, and it has three stores in Panama City alone. A Panama City detective told Stump um, an officer from West Bridgewater, Massachusetts was also on this guy's case. Detective Sergeant Vic Flaherty had been assigned to lead a task force investigating the crimes after the caller hit four Wendy's in the Boston suburbs on one night in February 2004. Oh my god. This guy's out of control. Flaherty had traced... Is that how you say that name? Flaherty? Flaherty? Yeah. Had traced a calling card used in some of the hoaxes to um, one of the Panama City Walmarts. But that store surveillance video only captured customers entering and exiting not all registers. After hearing about the Kentucky case, however, he helped Stumps trace that calling card to its source. This time, they were in luck. It was purchased at 3.02pm at another Walmart in Panama City on April 9th, 2004, just hours before it was used to call the Mount Washington McDonald's. The camera at that store was trained on the registers. It showed the purchaser was a white man, about 35 to 40, with slicked black hair, slicked back black hair, sorry, uh, and glasses. The same man could be seen on Flaherty's video entering the other Walmart where he was wearing a black jacket with small white lettering. Flaherty and a colleague flew to Panama City um, and local officers immediately identified the jacket as the uniform worn by officers of Corrections Corp of America, a private prison company. When they showed it to the warden at the company, he identified the man as David R. Stewart, 38, a guard on the swing shift. Uh, Stewart denied making the calls, but when confronted, he started to, to, quote, sweat profusely and shake uncontrollably, Flaherty uh, wrote in a report. I wish they had been like, all right, you need to strip off now. (laughs) (laughs) Stewart also asked, so the guy, the, you know, um, alleged assailant um, or offender rather, um, also asked, quote, was anybody hurt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know they were, you what fucking the fuck? dickhead. You literally instructed them to be hurt. Yeah. And then said, quote, amen, it's over, according to the report. Oh, shut up. Yeah. You fucking dickhead. He, so he was a corrections officer. Uh-huh. At a male or female prison? No, I don't know. 
um, private prison company. So who knows? That's upsetting. Yeah. That he's somebody like that has had authority over people. I wonder how many prisoners he's abused. The fact is he, or the, so this was in the podcast. They said he already has authority over these prisoners mm. to then need more. Stuart insisted he'd never bought a calling card. <laughs> You're on fucking camera, mate. Um, But when detectives searched his house, they found one that had been used to call nine restaurants in the past year, including the Idaho Falls Burger King on the day its manager was duped. Dumb idiot. Yeah. Police also found dozens of applications for police department jobs, hundreds of police magazines, um, police type uniforms, guns and holsters. Thank fuck this guy never actually became a cop because can you imagine what he would have done? Yeah. I mean, there's there's another story that I'm going to cover about a police... uh, yeah police officer that you know uh, abuses his power mm. um quote it was very apparent dave stewart wanted to become a police officer flaherty said mm. mount washington became the first department to charge stewart um stewart eventually was brought to court where he pleaded not guilty to solicitation to commit sodomy and impersonating a police officer which were both felonies as well as soliciting sex abuse and unlawful imprisonment which were um misdemeanors if convicted How are they misdemeanors well as soliciting sex abuse and unlawful imprisonment maybe if it was actually him doing it maybe it would be a um, a felony but i'm not sure i'm not sure um but if convicted stewart faced up to 15 years in prison frustratingly and um bafflingly on october 31st 2006 he was acquitted of all charges how what so both the defense and the prosecution attorney speculated that a lack of direct evidence such as recording of the caller's voice might have led to the jury finding him not guilty i don't know they found the fucking cards also i think he said that um like one of his excuses was that he was giving the cards out to homeless people uh, like in, as charity um and i guess like it's reasonable that that could have occurred and that someone else could have made the calls but mm-hmm. i mean fucking hell come on Stuart, and also like he kind of confessed when they got him yeah yeah it's over amen it's was over. anyone hurt like yeah. yeah anyway Stuart remained a suspect in similar cases throughout the united states um police late, stated later that after Stuart's arrest the scam calls stopped yeah, so obviously he did kind of learn his lesson hopefully and like you know stop being a um a fucking criminal but no he would he would i bet you he's gone on to he's doing other stuff do some other yeah, stuff of course to- he is to people of course he is because you know he can't stop yeah um, somebody like that that's that fucked up yeah. and that evil doesn't just stop. we're gonna hear about a case like in in a couple of years where they catch him and he's done like hundreds of awful things yeah and yep. it's gonna be like a, 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 the sus the main suspect in the scam call case mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they'll be like Three years jail. And then yeah. after he gets out, he'll be straight for a little while and then he'll do it again to yeah. someone else. And then in the meantime, there's these poor people like, what's her name? Laura? Lauren Ogborn. Lauren, who was going to go to pre-med and yep. who instead was fucking traumatized. Mm-hmm. And- um, the case of the strip search scam caller. That's hard to say. <laughs> strip search scam caller. It's hard with my particular mouth makeup (laughs) um has been the subject of a number of portrayals and retellings episode 17 of season 9 of the television show law and order special victims unit featured robin williams as the caller 
um, comedian Robin Williams. It's one of the best episodes. If you watch mm-hmm. any, watch that one. Um, the character played by uh, Robin Williams identified himself as Detective Milgram, um, a reference to the famous Milgram experiment, which we spoke about earlier. Ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. The 2012 feature film Compliance was based on the case. Um, the 2016 play Mai Dang Lao um, and a Netflix documentary made in 2022 called Don't Pick Up the Phone is also based on this. Um, and obviously a number of podcasts have also covered this case. But that is the story of the strip search scam caller. Have you watched any of those? No, I have not. I've watched the SVU episode, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've seen all of them. Yeah. Um, far out. That makes me so angry. Yeah. It's wild, hey? Yeah. Wild and awful. I think I'm most angry, though, at that fiancé. Yeah, Because Nick's. I'm like, you fucking knew. Well, he's not the only one that has, like, literally sexually assaulted these girls at the behest of someone on the line. Yeah. But I think, like, a blowjob is pretty extreme. Like, there was there was one case, I think, of a, a, a man being assaulted. Um, I think uh, the caller told... Uh, like a female manager that she had to force a guy to have sex with her or something like that. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but it's, yeah, there was one and case did. and they did. Yeah. Far out. It's just to, to, to believe that a police officer, again, we, we are coming at this with a 2020 viewpoint where, where information is at our fingertips. I just don't know that. I don't know how he could do it. Uh, yeah. I could see myself falling for the Milgram experiment, not to the point where the person dies, but like giving him a few jots. <laughs> Maybe like, I don't know. I feel like we've, we've been raised not to blindly fall. Like I, I, I do recall mum and dad always saying like that if, a, you know, if a teacher or whatever asked us to do something that we weren't comfortable with, mm, we didn't have, have to, to do, do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And same with police. It was always yeah. like you do the right thing, but just because somebody's in charge doesn't mm. mean you have to do what they say. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe like... And also you and I do have a degree in psychology where we learned literally about this phenomenon. Yes, but even as a kid, I mm. don't mm. think that I... Like we weren't naughty, but I never... No, we weren't blindly following authority. No, we respected I nev- authority. I never looked at authority figures and was like, I must do whatever mm. they say. Mm. It was just like, okay, they're in charge. Yeah, well, I guess that's why he targeted these places where there's going to be, like, like you know, like that researcher said, um, fast food chains are designed in a way to stamp out kind of individual thought. And, and maybe, pe- yeah, people who are younger. Younger, who yes. Had as and, much life experience. And the people in the positions of power are going to be younger and he's and you know he's targeting these rural places yeah it's it's all targeted but then it's I, all by design. I still think there's those people like the fiance who got involved in it and then were just like okay may as well may as well yeah, yeah exactly yeah oh, well what the, can i do that's the that's the story pretty awful mm. huh yeah that's horrible mm. yeah i had like a um sort of like passing knowledge of something like this happening, but I didn't know it was that extreme. Mm. Yep. Yeah, fuck. Okay. So sorry about it. <laughs> yeah. Not thanks for telling me that. I, what are you telling us next week? Um, I haven't started researching yet. Oh, boy. Yeah. I've already got mine ready for the week after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to start. I'm so ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.